Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello listeners, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor, and I'm joined by Ollie Q, Ollie Marriage, and Rowan Horncastle. And we're going to do our second episode in a new series which pulls the juicy, um, maybe the sort of the more ill-advised ideas from the Top Gear archive and, and bring them back to life uh, and talk them through. Um, so we're calling it That Time We... dot dot dot. Rowan, do you want to introduce this one? Because it's actually a feature that I did. That you I, did. Oh, yeah, I feel a bit vain calling it out myself. Well, it was th- that time you went to America on one of the most convoluted beer runs possible <laughs> in a <laughs> I do nearly 800-horsepower like muscle car yeah. uh, in honour of Smoking the Bandit, which I have to say right now is a film that I haven't seen. Oh, Rowan. Oh, come it's along. It's a sackable offence. Rowan, from you, yeah. you had a tiny bit of homework to do, and that was just, <laughs> just watch every Burt Reynolds film. No, it wasn't. I'm not surprised you haven't watched it. It is quite old school. We were just talking about it before we... Um, click record and it's one of those films that is objectively terrible but uh you know if you've watched it when you're younger it gives you warm fuzzy nostalgic feeling it's bad but it's you know it's loving it's uh, what's the word i'm looking for it's charmingly charmingly yeah. bad the thing is i haven't seen it but i know the car from it so well, that's a good movie car in itself so that's uh, the thing you will know the car the trans am um, 77 Trans Am is the one that was in the film with the firebird on the bonnet with the, the yeah, screaming the chicken screaming chicken screaming chicken. chicken on the bonnet so yeah um, so there's a company it's called Trans Am Worldwide T-A-W so I spotted this is way back in 2016 so six years ago now, um, there was a company that was basically taking a, a Camaro SS and then putting a body kit on it to make it look like a Trans Am um, and then juicing up the engine, 7.4 litre V8. I think this had a 2.9 litre supercharger stuck on it as well. So this was back in 2016, I think six years ago, quite a long time ago. And there was a company called uh, Trans Am Worldwide, TAW, who took a Camaro SS and put a body kit on top of it and turned it into a Trans Am. So they did various versions of this Trans Am. This one was actually called the Bandit Special Edition. So it was very specifically a tribute to the black and gold Trans Am that you'll find in Smokey and the Bandit. And they juiced up the engine. So 7.4 litre V8, 2.9 litre supercharger stuck on top of that and 700, 720 horsepower. So naturally, this got my attention, and it got my uh, it got the old cogs in my head turning. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe we could recreate quite simply recreate the plot from the film. Rowan, for your benefit, maybe what I should, happens there? What, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what happened in the film? Oh, and you seen the car? Well, it's one hell of a plot, let me tell you. So there's this guy called Bo Bandit Darville. So he's Burt Reynolds. You'll have seen him. Lovely moustache. Um, so he's a, 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 a truck driver, a sort of rodeo truck driver. He's basically a hot shoe truck driver. There's a, a businessman in Atlanta, Georgia, and he wants a load of beer for a party that he's having, but it's a dry state at the time. So you have to go over the border into Texas in order to get hold of the beer to come back. So he says um, he will pay Burt Reynolds or the bandit, uh, how much was it? It was $80,000 if he can drive 
to the border, over the border, into Texarkana, which is the nearest town, buy a load of Coors beer. Always thought he could have got a slightly better tasting beverage, but there we go. Each to their own. Fanta. And, <laughs> Fanta, please. Um, uh, no craft beers back in those days, of course. No IPAs. And then make it back uh, within 28 hours. So then, so there's the premise for the film. You've got um, you've got the bandit um, who immediately, being the canny person he is, asks for an advance on his $80,000 so he can go out and buy this 77 Trans Am, which is an outrider for his mate uh, who's in who's driving the truck, the snowman, Cletus. Um, <laughs> and, there, and there we go. So they're racing across. They're, they're, it's all about them trying to evade um, the police. So the beer's in the truck and the fast car is there to distract the cops. Distract the cops. Clear the way. Clear the way. I mean, what a plot. That is, yeah. Rowan, you'd have to, even if you've not seen the movie, you've got to admit, that's a great plot line. What a narrative. If this was shot in England, they'd have done a booze cruise. They'd have tried to get to Calais, <laughs> wouldn't they? I know I wants to watch that. This, you're running state lines with a muscle car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you take a, a, a Bilingo with you to go to Calais just to get as much beer <laughs> yeah, in it as just, possible. Just hot take. Are you interested? Are you going to watch it tonight? Uh, I will see. I will see if I can. I'll read the feature first. Keep going. Keep going. I want to see what happens. <laughs> All right. So anyway, you see, you see where we're going with this. I got in touch with the company um, TAW. Um, they were very happy to accommodate this. You know, they'd never done anything like it before. I was very clear. You need to just hand over the car to us and and leave us for forty eight hours to go and do our thing. But the mission was just that, to get to, um, we, we started in a place called the Lakewood Fairgrounds. So in the film, that's where Burt Reynolds plies his trade uh, driving these trucks. And then we had to get to Texcana and back in 28 hours. Now, if you put that into Google Maps, it's a fairly casual 19-hour round trip. But they didn't have Google Maps in 1977, so Burt Reynolds wouldn't have known that, would they? No, they wouldn't <laughs> have known that. But also, uh, uh, you know, often the downfall of a motoring journalist planning a big feature like this, you need to account for several things. Photography. <laughs> now, quite photography a big thing, isn't it? Quite a big <clears throat> thing. You have to stop, you have to do shots, you have to redo shots. You know, you're building a story here, a photo story. So, you know, photography takes a big chunk out of that. Um, fuel. You know, this this big engine here, this is probably doing two, 250 miles on a tank, tops. Um, so lots of fuel stops. Uh, and then uh, what else have we got? Sleep. Yeah, oh, forgot, yeah. forgot oh. about that one. <laughs> we usually just ignore that, don't we? Well, I did. Funny no, how that yeah. comes last in the list. It was it? the yeah. only way I could make the sums add up. And then, yeah, and then, big, and then there was all sorts of detours that I wanted to take in order to sort of, um, to show off the car. So... You know, in the back of your mind is you cannot just just go to the nearest interstate and drive into the sunset and come back because, yeah, maybe we would have done it in under 28 hours, but it would be a rubbish story to look at in the magazine. Well, I'm not believing the photography, but Bert had to film it, and that takes longer. So, like, you know, <laughs> must, if you, he can do it for a film. You You're can saying they didn't film the entire movie in under 28 hours? Oh. No, I, I haven't but, watched it, so I don't know. So. Yeah, well, there we go. So, um, so no, it was it was fantastic fun. I was teamed up with a US-based photographer called Webland, who's a really lovely chap, which obviously was crucial in this context because we were both extremely tired, covering ridiculous distances, and had to live in each other's pockets um, for for a few days. And we genuinely did set off with the aim of doing this under 28 hours. There was no smoke and mirrors and, you know, we, we. I actually say at the end of the feature, I could have 
easily fudged this. I could have just made it up and, you know, faked an ending where we make it in seven, uh, 27 hours and 59 minutes and d- decided not to. We decided to really stick it out in the most painful way possible, but with enough detours to make it interesting. So, um, you know, we went through uh, Memphis. You ever been to Memphis? Can't say how. Beale Street in Memphis. It's uh, very famous. It's kind of home of the blues. It's like yeah. back-to-back blues bars. There's a there's a, f- a film about Beale Street that's, that's out at the moment. Watch it. It's very good. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an astonishing town. It, it looks like a sort of Hollywood set, but, no, it, it is real. Um, and then between Memphis and Texarkana, there's literally nothing. As anyone that's driven big distances in America can attest, you sort of think, well, we're going to stumble across something interesting, aren't we? Nope. Just um, several hundreds and hundreds of miles of, you know, cornfields and and just just nothingness, just flat landscape, and uh, yeah, it, it does get quite wearing. So then we had to create our own amusement um, and sort of dive off the beaten track and find dirt roads. And you'll see in the feature there's lots of pictures of me doing skids on gravel because. Um, well, but that's what else would Bert want? Well, Bert, got to do what Bert wants. The if movie you, was full of gratuitous power slides. Yeah, I mean, if you want yeah. your money's worth in skids, definitely watch Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we 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 owed it to Bert to to get as much opposite lock as possible at any opportunity, and the car was up to it. You know, it had just enough grunt to unstick <laughs> those rear tires <laughs> on a loose surface. <laughs> on a loose surface. <laughs> But what was it? Because it's the previous generation Camaro that was modified, where you know American cars have got better uh, over the last couple of years, yeah. quite considerably. What was an eight, near eight hundred horsepower muscle car like in that environment? And to do that mileage in, was it comfortable? Could it go round corners if we want to use that American no. cliche? Well, let, let, I'll answer the corner question first because there's a bit quite early on in the story when we're in Alabama and we come across this hairpin. I'm completely beside myself that I found a corner. I was so excited. So, I, so Webb gets out the car and we send him back. And we go, God, I'm going to go for a big sideways shot. Pull it Couldn't find the traction control button anywhere. So I'm, the car's trying to rein us in. That's assuming I could have held the sideways shot, by the way. I was backing myself big time there. But um, it was okay around corners. It's a, It's a big, heavy car. And the thing about this engine... It may be kicking out 720 horsepower on a dyno somewhere, but it doesn't feel like 720 horsepower because the throttle response is, is, isn't is great. It's supercharged, and yet the engine bogs down and it really stutters at, at low revs, and then it eventually kind of catches, and you get all that torque coming through, but it's usually once you've passed the apex and you're halfway down the next straight. So <laughs> actually getting it to respond when you want it to respond... It's really quite tricky. But, you know, I always say cars, whether a car is good or not, depends a lot on the context in which you're in. And this, um, it's a muscle car to start with. You're in America in a muscle car. People love it. They can hear it coming, pulling for petrol, and you're just surrounded by people. And then they spot that it's the car from, well, it's a homage to the car from Smoking the Bandit, and they just went nuts. We would have got less attention in... A LaFerrari. Honestly, it was it was like it was well, it's not one of the movie cars, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. the, the Dukes of Hazard has the General Lee and Ghostbusters has X01 and then yeah, Smoking the Bandit has 
the Trans Am, but just as big a character in the movie is, of course, Buford T. Justice, oh. the long arm of the law. Long arm of the law. Did you get while going around in your giant muscle car with 800 or something? Did I get fingered and... by, a, by <laughs> the law? I was going to ask. Wait, is that in that? Is this in the film? Did, you, did uh, you have any attention from um, from, any, from well, any state troopers? We did actually, right right at the beginning. So we literally, um, this place, Lakewood Fairgrounds in Atlanta, that's where the car handover happened. And literally, as we were sort of getting all our stuff loaded up and about to pull up, a cop pulls up and we're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be me versus him for the next 28 hours. This is perfect. And he went, oh, my God, are you Jack Rex off YouTube? Can I have an autograph? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, and I'd paid him $10 earlier, <laughs> earlier in the day to rock up and say that. No, no. Um, no, he was just, uh, like everyone else, fascinated in the car. Really, I just wanted him to come and slap a ticket on the windscreen. But like everyone else, he was just fascinated with the cars and wanted to slap us on the back and wish us good luck and I was like damn you should be chasing me across state lines you can have have an escort across state lines rather than someone pursuing but these these like movie homage cars I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship for movie cars I love them when they're in the movies but then people who want to bring them into reality you're not Marty McFly you're not Burt Reynolds if you you know you live, you say that, Ro. You say I'm not Burt Reynolds, but I spent a week. This is this is the kind of oh, length so I'll go through. We get to... task development. Yes. Did we? So I um gave myself one week to grow a moustache. Uh, yeah, it it wasn't great. I basically, <laughs> I think I could have given myself a year, and I wouldn't have got anywhere near. But oh, I thought that was glossy. photoshopped by the magazine designers. I thought they were just had a bet. I think they may have given it a little tickle to save my <laughs> embarrassment. But, but, uh, but if you rocked up to a retail park in, uh, you know, in Manchester or something in this Trans Am, you're not going to get that same reaction that you did in America. No, not at all. I mean, you'd, you'd have the old Sado, you know, going, oh, that's the one for the... But in America, it's just, there's no irony there. No, it's there's, just, a, there's a, a, an absolute adoration of anything cool and different, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, just genuine. I'm like, this is that car. In the UK, my word. I mean, have you seen someone driving a Corvette around in the UK? It's not the same as driving one around in the US. Yeah. You look like a big midlife crisis so, happening in real time. Yeah. So what I want to know is, so we, you did some skid shots. Yeah. Jump shot. No jump shots. Come on. No, oh, sorry. What can I say? Um, I, I was <laughs> sworn by the owner of this company, this was the only car in the world. Yeah. And uh, please bring it back in one piece. That's probably uh, quite different to the movie because I imagine the attrition rate on Trans Ams when they were shooting Smokey and the Bandit was high. I mean, I suspect it, it, there was a transporters leaving Detroit at every possible yeah, moment. Yeah, it must have kept the American car industry in business because some of the stunts, and of course, back in those days, it would have all been done in camera, on location, with a human being behind the wheel, no CGI, no robotics, just someone really, really brave and a really big ramp. And the stunts are, you, you sometimes see the car, don't you, land from a jump and then the camera cuts away. And you know that's because it's bending in half like a banana on the rebound. All the cameraman's ran out, run out the way. <laughs> yes, run for his life. So you've only got one car to use and yet you've got to shoot an entire magazine feature where it looks just as exciting. It's a pretty tall order. Yeah, actually, you uh, you just reminded me that later on in the story, I'll backtrack a, a, a little bit to when we pick up the beer and stuff. But um, we visited the bridge. So if you've seen the film, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the very famous bridge jump where mm. where essentially it's a dead flat lip. He's jumping over a river and then miraculously at the last minute there's a, a nice bit of launch angle there on the car where it soars into the air and makes it. But, you know, as you were saying, these are the days when that was a proper 
proper stunt, you know. And I we pulled up on the bridge to take a few pictures with the background. And again, policemen pulled up and we thought, oh, no, here we go. We're, we're, we're going to get done for loitering or something. And no, he knew exactly why we were there, spotted the car, knew the film location, actually knew an officer that helped with the film crew oh, on that day to, to set up the stunt. And again, more slaps on the back and yeehaws and, and yeah. off we went. So were all those film locations roughly on the the actual route it was meant to have been done they hadn't just shot them in ohio or whatever else yeah well there were the, yeah the the ones that the, the we certainly found the main sort of points on the journey yeah. seemed to be yeah huh. who knows whether they cut away to sort of studio sets at, at various times but um texacana so we we we, we got there um uh, not a particular town that you really want to stick around in um, what's the TripAdvisor rating? <laughs> like, what are the top hits? Well, what's in there is the top five things to do well, in Texarkana. All, all we wanted was was a was a liquor store, and we went for the first uh, the, the the one and only drive through liquor store, which nice. which is ironic only in, in America, surely. Mm. Let's drive through and get some alcohol. Yeah, what could go wrong there? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we got a lovely shot of the guy coming out the coming out the shop with a sort of stack of six crates of cores and loaded them in the boot. And then it was that really demoralizing moment when we turned around. We were actually at this point bang on um, schedule to, to make it within the 28 hours. So we'd got there under, under 14 hours, quick maths. And, uh, uh, but then you looked, at the, uh, you looked at how many miles you had left to get back to Atlanta and it was, just, it was like another 500 miles and our eyelids felt like they had grit underneath them. So what we decided to do, this is the point, Ollie, where we hadn't planned a hotel. We didn't uh-huh. have any sleeping arrangements. We yeah, were just, yeah. the absurdity of this whole exercise was coming crashing around our ears. Um, at, which, at which point, Webb went, don't worry, uh, if we can just get over to the next state, there'll be a welcome centre. As you come over the state line, there's a welcome centre. I said, like, what's a welcome centre? He went, it's a car park that has an armed guard. I was like, that sounds <laughs> as good as we can hope. How so welcoming. We, yeah, how welcoming. <laughs> Come in. As <laughs> <laughs> so we turn up, there's a, there's a bathroom where terrible, terrible things had happened, <laughs> where we brushed our teeth. What did you have for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then we basically passed out in the, in the car, in the car park, set our alarms for 90 minutes. That's all we allowed ourselves. And then... Um, and then woke up. I mean, it was. I can still feel the the, the exhaustion right now. But the, the human body does an amazing thing, doesn't it? Where as the sun rises, however little sleep you've got, it attempts to reset itself. So suddenly you get this second wind and you're off again. Um, and actually, we were so enthusiastic that we stopped off at a drag strip because we decided <laughs> it was at this point we were definitely missing the 28-hour cutoff. So we thought, well, sod it let's go and have some fun so we found a um a drag strip in alabama um which was just full of the biggest characters i've ever met and the, the guy who i'd been speaking to on the phone rolled up uh, in a wheelchair only had one leg um i've forgotten his name it was it was hilarious turned out he was the um the cherry picker operator um, and appeared to be drunk, but maybe that was just his personality. <laughs> Webb Bland, who had to go up with the cherry picker, looked absolutely terrified. And then we had a few, ga- uh, a few goes on the strip. Um, apparently, according to TAW, it can do quarter miles in the, in the low 11s, which is yeah, fairly rapid and in keeping with, you know, 700 horsepower plus. 
I wasn't getting anywhere near. <laughs> it was like, try and feather the throttle and it bogged down. Give it all the beans, wheel spin. I was like, how, how many attempts did you get to get 11 seconds? So anyway, I, um, I did a few burnouts, some unimpressive quarter mile times. And then, uh, but and it was then, a crowd pleaser. It was a crowd pleaser. The, the faces of these you know, deep South Americans who owned this drag strip, when they went, you might want to warm the tires, boy. And I did a massive burnout. And they were all like, oh, this, this plummy British bloke knows how to do a burnout. I was like... <laughs> You can't really do anything else yeah. in this car. Like... <laughs> trying to pull away. But did, did you did you make it to the? What was your, your total time there oh, when right, the clock on. stopped? Yeah. So, um, uh, let me. I've, Have I jumped for, ahead? No, no. This is fine. Fortunately, the way I wrote the feature was was a um, uh, time you know, with timestamps yeah. with timestamps on it. So I can officially tell you at thirty one hours and forty seven minutes we stopped the clock. Um, so yeah, I missed it by three hours, 47 minutes. I didn't collect my $80,000 from the, uh, the business owner in Atlanta. Uh, Burt Reynolds will be turning in his grave that I didn't. And also he managed to pick up a runaway bride along the way, didn't he? In the movie. <laughs> well, he managed yeah. to pull Sally Field while well, he was on the Well, way. you did get married <laughs> afterwards, so yeah. I, did, I, did. <laughs> I already have Webb Bland. I had him from, <laughs> I had him from the, the get-go. perfect partner in crime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... But look, the amount of stuff that we crammed in, um, in fact, if I hadn't had a sleep, it would have been a lot closer, but then I may have also died. So, you know, you got to weigh these things up along the way, but it was, re- it was really good fun. And then the final shot is us eventually, because I didn't have any more driving to do, crushing a very warm can of Coors Lager in the car park. Ah. And it what tasted disgusting. <laughs> 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 but, you know... Uh, the interesting thing about this exercise is going back and reading a feature that you wrote, I wrote six years ago. It is a bizarre thing. I uh, uh, We should all do it. Um, Did you laugh at any of your own jokes? All of them. <laughs> I'm much funnier than I remember. <laughs> I actually genuinely, I wrote, like, but I seem to be solely concerned with just cracking as many jokes as possible. Some of them average, some of them not so average. Um, I, I need to loosen up a bit. I need to get back to the six years ago Jack who just was carefree. Maybe it's a different world back then. Well, it? what's funny, isn't it, is that you know how, you know, the classic thing that the human brain does where you look back on everything rose-tinted spectacles. You look back on your school days and you remember the funny stuff and you don't remember the terribly boring maths lessons. So you probably look back on this and go, oh, you know, tell your mates, this one time I did this thing in a Trans Am kind of replica. And it's only when reading back you realise it drove your body to the absolute limits (laughs) of endurance and kind of Mm. personal hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) And you probably wouldn't want to do it again after all. No, I definitely don't want to do it again. But I do want to do is keep pursuing these these bonkers feature ideas. I think Top Gear is the only only, uh, outlet out there that really does these things, that takes on these slightly stupid challenges and just stories... Um, and experiences just pour out the other end. It just makes makes for really interesting stuff. Yeah, I've always wanted to recreate uh, Stuart Little too, so I'm going to pitch that to you so that we we'll, <laughs> do the plot of that. Um, but no, thanks. It's, uh, it's great to hear about. It feels a bit bizarre that we used to just go to the other side of the world and all we had to do was take photos and do the story. There's didn't, so much involved didn't, now. Didn't shoot video. No, video, no. video didn't exist then. With uh, Brittany... The producer would probably make us do a podcast as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a first drive, because we have the words for that soon. But no, yeah. if you want to read the feature, it's on topgear.com. And if uh, you've got a movie-inspired muscle car that makes nowhere near the power that you're claiming, then let us know, because we'd love to come and drive it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 
more stories from uh, the back catalogues soon, I guess. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. <laughs>